he is one of the most down-to-earth fighters around. Wells's Brett Johns is adamant that his time is now as he heads to Atlantic City for the biggest fight of his career. But even the most strong-willed have their difficult moments. Join me on this episode of Reflections as Johns himself talks about his mental struggles, his natural leadership, and much, much more. Also on the show, Niall McGrath joins from Brooklyn, New York, with exclusive insight for UFC 223 and the monumental showdown between Khabib and Max Holloway, signed on just six days' notice. This is Reflections. It's April, you fools, and what better way to kick off the month than with a brand spanking new episode of your friendly neighborhood MMA podcast, Reflections. As always, I'm your host, Andreas Giorgio, and look, let's just address the old elephant in the room right now, April 1st, April 1st, that that gosh darned April 1st, a day of of jokes and pranks and you know I really hope that this situation would have been a prank but it wasn't it's not because the joke really really was on all of us this time for the fourth time in as many years one of the most anticipated mixed martial arts contests ever I'm going to throw that out there ever has fallen off the wheel once again four times in four years, just soak that in. Four times we were supposed to see Khabib Nurmagomedov and Tony Ferguson fight, and for four times it's fallen off. It happened in 2015, 16, 17, and now 2018. A lateral collateral ligament injury. Six days before UFC 223 in New York City, where Tony Ferguson and Khabib Nurmagomedov would have fought to determine. The new UFC lightweight champion is no more. Shocking. It's just absolutely shocking. Nobody expected this. Well, okay, of course, people may have expected it, but people were seriously hoping that we would have finally got to see this fight. Now, look, I don't want to be the guy that says this because um, if you read some of the tweets and some of the reports about this, Brett Okamoto from ESPN said that it was a complete freak accident uh, Tony Ferguson, he he seems he's walking down the street. He's walking somewhere. He turns uh, a a sharp movement, and that's where he tears his LCL. It's going to require surgery, according to Al Kakui, and Dana White confirmed that as well. But look, the guy was kicking the shit out of a lead pipe last week. Like, I, look, I, I don't want to be patronizing. I, I don't want to be suspicious, but come on. If the guy can kick a lead pipe and not suffer any injuries and then a sharp turn and he tears his LCL, that is just serious, serious bad luck. Anyway, have no fear because featherweight champion Max Holloway has stepped in for the injured T-Ferg to fight Khabib this Saturday at UFC 223 in New York City, live on pay-per-view. If you're watching over in the United Kingdom or in Ireland, that's on BT Sport. It's going to be a wild one. Holloway taking this huge fight on just six days' notice. If I'm correct, he's got around 20 pounds to cut, according to his nutritionist, George Lockhart, who, as we've just found out per Ariel Hawani, was supposed to be doing the weight cut with Khabib, but no longer doing that with Khabib. He's parted ways with George Lockhart due to a quote-unquote conflict of interest. Completely understandable. You can't be having the same nutritionist doing the weight cut for opposing fighters in such a high-stakes fight. Although I do believe Lockhart would would have been the most utmost professional, but can understand Khabib's stance there. But George Lockhart, he spoke to MMA Fighting earlier this week, and he did say that this cut for Max Holloway is arguably one of the biggest cuts he's ever had to do in his days working in mixed martial arts. So that's a massive statement. And I don't even want to say this, but is there a potential that Holloway doesn't make weight on Friday? And heck, is there even a potential that Khabib doesn't make weight now that he's not working with George Lockhart? Only time will tell, but for now, it's on. It's for the lightweight gold Will Holloway become the UFC's second dual-weight champion? I don't need to tell you who the first man is because you already know. Or will it be Khabib time in New York City? We're going to have a well-renowned MMA journalist, Nar McGrath, from Talking Brawls, joining live 
from New York later on in the show to discuss that fight and, of course, the rest of the action at UFC 223 as well. Before that, Welshman Brett Johns dropping by ahead of his fight against Aljo. Aljermaine Sterling at UFC Fight Night 128 in Atlantic City. That fight just a few weeks away and unquestionably the biggest contest of young Brett Johns' career. He shot into the public eye with his badass calf slicer finisher over Joe Soto last December in the tough finale. And now he's got a ranked opponent in the bantamweight division. So a monumental occasion for the former Titan FC champion. And we'll be discussing his fight against Aljamain Sterling a little later on in the show. But before that, let's get the pleasantries out of the way. Before we kick things off, make sure if you're not already subscribed on iTunes or SoundCloud or wherever you're listening to this RSS feed or RRS feed, I don't know, I don't care, but wherever you are listening to this show, make sure you are subscribed. I would really appreciate it. It will really help the longevity of this show to know that you guys are supporting the product. You're enjoying the product as well. Leave a review, leave some ratings on iTunes, on Apple Podcasts if you can. That would be greatly appreciated. And of course, join in the conversation on Twitter. Tweet me at Andre and Georgia. Let me know what you thought about this edition of Reflections or any of the topics discussed on this week's show. So here we go. Join me after the break. Brett Johns will join me to discuss his fight against Aljamain Sterling. And of course, later on in the show, Nar McGrath is popping by to discuss UFC 223. We'll see you in a sec. From the still streets of Swansea to the swagger and pizzazz of the boardwalk, Captain Calf Slicer himself, Brett Johns, goes all in against number eight ranked bantamweight Aljamain Sterling as he looks to continue his rise up the 135 pound ladder at UFC Fight Night, Barboza vs. Lee. The Pikey joins Reflections to talk about his upcoming contest, the grassroots of MMA in Wales, being a locker room leader at Chris Reese Academy and his legacy. All that and more coming up. Brett Johns, Mr. Calf Slicer himself. Welcome to Reflections. How are you, my friend? I'm very well, Andres. I'm very well. Just uh, looking forward to getting this fight over and done with. I can't wait. You're already looking forward to to getting it over and done with. It's it's not even begun yet, Brett. Yeah, I know. It's it's, it's one of those things, you know. I'm looking forward to. Uh, to it's been a long camp, you know. I've uh, I've been training for this fight since the since the first of January, you know. Um, and and you know what? Sometimes it just I I, I remember the Morales fight was very similar, you know. I just had a very long camp, and I just wanted to get it over and done with, you know, and. Uh, it's one of them things, you know, it's uh, it's been a long camp, I've trained very hard and I can almost guarantee I've trained, you know, uh, trained well or well, way more than him, you know what I mean? I know for a fact that, like, Aljo, I know he does train very hard, but no no way can he train harder than me, it's, it's, it's impossible, you know what I mean? I'm feeling, uh, I'm feeling, I'm feeling broken, I'm feeling, but I'm feeling ready to go in there and put a dominant stamp on, you know, at the end of the day, this is the... The test that we, the test that we need really, you know. I think we beat this guy. We're going to slip into our top ten, and then that's where that's where we're going to start calling some big names out. Then, you know, you just mentioned there January you started your camp. So January to the end of April, that's that's four months. Is is that not a bit heavy for a fight camp? <clears throat> yeah, you, yeah, you can say that. You know, um, and, I, and my coaches tell me the same thing as well. They say, you know, I train I train too hard. So that's their their own words, and the fact is, <clears throat> it's mad. It's mad, really, because I haven't got a filter when it comes to this game. You know, I don't. If I if I if I know I've got a fight coming up, you can almost guarantee I'll train for a fight there and then. You know, and um, it, it, it's you know I think the reason why the rise for myself has been so, it's gone so quick and so high so quick is because the way I train, Andres. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, it's a. Uh, it's one of them things for me, you know, I'm in the gym three to four times a day, you know, I'm doing all sorts, I'm covering all bases, you know, people just think we're looking at uh, the, the, the flamboyant grappling styles of some calf slices or the flying knees, <laughs> yeah. I'm going over every, I'm going over everything, every corner, you know what I mean, and as small detail as the negative stuff as well, we're going over that, you know, and um, mentally, you know, it, it's been it's been tough, but you can put me in there and anybody on the night, you know. It's it's going to be the it's going to be the same Brett John that turns up every single time because 
at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how the last six weeks has gone, or how good or how bad it's gone, you're still going in there with the Brett Johns, who, who, who I'm not going to lie down for nobody, you know, in the day, you know, I'm writing a story, and my story contains me, it doesn't contain nobody else's story, you know, and I'm making sure that, that this story I'm writing here, you know, is going to be, is going to be one that's, that's said forever, you know, and, um, yeah, you know, I'm looking forward to getting this one over and done with, as I always am, you know. And to be honest, I remember I, I sparred like last week, and, and for the first time in a long time, I was in the sparring. I kind of had a little grin to myself. I was enjoying it again, yeah. you know. So um, I just can't wait to get in there and just get that fight done, you know. Well, the fight that we are talking about, of course, is you against Aljamain Sterling at UFC Fight Night 128, Atlantic City. So from the bright lights of, of Las Vegas to Atlantic City, what what is it about the the bright lights the the Welshman that the UFC seem to to be pushing for right now? I I don't really know because like you know after after the same they asked me they said like oh what, what would you want and I'm like well you know I I wouldn't have minded I wouldn't have minded um, you know you know the London cars really you know I really wouldn't have minded going on that yeah either way in the day after that I would have liked to have had a few drinks with <laughs> on but that wasn't the case. But um, they've said New Jersey. They said New Jersey, and um, I was, I was a, I was a hundred percent for New Jersey. You know what I mean? So, um, like I said, it's, uh, it's, um, it's an honour. You know, I look at that fight card as well. Like you know, the fight card is absolutely massive. Yeah. And um, I, it's one of them things where I'm going to. Um, it's one of them things where I'm looking forward to. You know, and at the end of the day, it's Frankie Edgar versus Cub Swanson and Barbosa versus Kevin Lee. Yeah, two two amazing fights. I mean, the entire card is absolutely stacked. Do you take it as a pat on the back, a compliment to what you're doing? Where you know, of course, the UFC could have put you on UFC London, which was a fight pass show, but instead you're on a Fox show. You're on a Fox Sports show. You're on the main card with a lot of other, you know, big and well-known UFC names. Is that a compliment to the rise of Brett Johns? Of course, you know. At the end of the day, I I always say that's the story. Like the first time I met Rashad Evans, you know. He was in Vegas, and um, you know, I was just chatting away, and uh, I said, you know, I'm, I remember being in Pontus as a youngster, where I'm from, and you know, you know, as a youngster growing up, where I'm from, there's not a lot of things you can do other than drink or you know, go out on the weekends. I remember as a kid growing up, and I remember the first event I stayed up the most was uh, UFC 98, Machida versus Evans. Yeah. And uh, on that on that card was one of my favorite fighters, Sean Shirk, and he fought Frankie Edgar. Um, this was the towards the rise of Frank Edgar coming for that lightweight belt with um, with BJ, and, uh, and and now I get a fight on the same card. And not only that, be on the main card with him. You, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and it's huge. It's, I'm going back to like the the the, the Brad Pickett fight where he fought uh, Malvera in London. That got taken away from me. This is another one that seems to be like there's a lot there's a lot of sentimental value in 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 this in this fight and. Um, I'm looking forward to getting out there, you know what I mean? I'm fighting on the card with some of the biggest names in the game, you know? Like the UFC London card, I thought was a fantastic card, but yeah, um, yeah. but Atlantic City is just it's crazy. The card is absolutely nuts. You mentioned just briefly before that that this camp has been mentally challenging for you. <laughs> is that something that's common for your fight camp, or, or is there something different this time around? No, I, I, I always, I always struggle. You know, um, I, I, like I said, you know, I think people want me to want me to talk about how camp is going great and how everything is going so smooth. But I don't think it'd be a normal fight camp if it did go that way. You know, it's always something wrong. I always get like uh, a niggly injury or a problem, and um, like I said, it's 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 been one of the toughest ones, and I think it's just added pressure as well. You know, we you know it's it's gone from them days of fighting in. In, in pubs and clubs where you're doing it for the fun of the game. Now it's serious. Now you're fighting you're fighting the best athletes in the world to become the top, to get into the top 10, you know. And, yeah, a little bit of me, you know. I'm enjoying I'm enjoying the roller coaster. I really am. But then the other part of me, you know, it, it's a struggle, you know. And on that as well, like, there's a lot of things like um, the, the nation of Wales is kind of getting behind me. And that's pressure, you know. I, I want to perform for these people, you know what I mean, Welsh. Welsh people have got me where I am, and I want to give something back to our Welsh community, you know, and um, that's pressure. It's pressure that, you know, don't get me wrong, there's one person going in and doing the job, but then again, you know, I want to be that guy that's that's leading the way, and I've got to deal with this pressure, you know what I mean? It's one of them things. I've, I spoke I spoke about pressure in camp before now, 
and uh, it, it's not easy. Yeah. So I can see when people have breakdowns in the middle of camp, I can see completely where they're coming from, you know what I mean, where where someone isn't uh, isn't training right or someone's struggling, you know, in different areas. I can see that. And, and for me, it's, 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 it's always been like that. But I got, I, got, I got the right people around me in camp just to, you know, they have a chat with me, they say, look, you know, this is, you know, they just make sure that, that you, I'm not the only person in this game that's going through that. Every single fight that has bad things in camp, I guarantee you that Algerman Sterling is having bad things in camp. It doesn't matter whether it's physical or mental, you know what I mean? These are things that happen, and I'm not the only person that's going through this. So, like I said, you know, it's one of the things that I'll, I'll get over it, as I always do, you know what I mean? And, and the pressure, it doesn't, it's weird for me, you know, I, I'm not saying it never will happen, but the pressure of a fight has never affected me in the fight, you know, I've always yeah. seemed to perform and I always seem to go in and do the job I need to do and April 21st will be exactly the same. You mentioned about everybody in your camp rallying around you when when the time calls upon it. Now, what I, I kind of want to know is with sports like, you know, football and rugby, these team sports, team sports have would you say, a, a locker room leader, an individual who can light a fire under the rest of the team at any given moment, you know, a voice of reason, so to say. Would you describe yourself as the locker room leader at Chris Reese Academy? Yeah, you know, um, you, you could say, you could say, uh, you, you, you're carrying the morale. You know, I, I'd say that, you know, I see a lot of these, these up-and-comers in the game, and I, I, you know, I'm not on about the the Scott Pedersons or the Ben Miles, the Aiden Games, or the you know them guys or the Ashley Williamses. I'm not on about them guys. I'm I'm on about the youngsters again from them. You know what I mean? These guys that I'd named there, most of them. Are, I think Aiden's a, a one fighter. Aiden's a one fight pro. Yeah. And uh, the rest of the guys are all all amateur guys. And um, you know, at the end of the day, I speak to these guys whether they win or whether they lose. You know, at the end of the day, it's important to have a chat with the guys who. Who have who who are, who are there at the at the top of the game, you know? Who are there and who have seen the ups and seen the downs? Like people look at me and think, "Yeah, we're well, sorry for you. You've never lost." I've lost so many things. It's unreal. It's it's. I have lost more more football games, rugby games, grappling contests, jugons. I know the feeling of losing is not nice, but I put that down me, and I make I made sure as a, as a youngster growing up in the sport that when I was a when I was a young kid. And this is what I mean about when I when I see an up and comer in the sport never lost anything in his life, you know, and, I, and then they they get put in a bad fight and then then everything goes to everything crumbles. I I've, I've lost plenty of times. I've lost loads of times, and it's um and it's given me the experience now of of knowing when I'm in a fight. I go remember that feeling you you had when you were a youngster, yeah. You didn't like that feeling, yeah. Then go do something about it then, and that's what I do every fight and. Um, like I said, you know, last night uh, we had a little show in Swansea where Team Sweden fought uh, uh, Team Wales. You know, it was the first like proper team amateur event. Uh, team Sweden won three two. You know, uh, a couple of our guys, um, three of our uh, two, sorry, two of our guys lost. And uh, yeah, it's it's heartbreaking because of uh, you know I always say this: we all win as a team, but we all lose as a, t- as a team. This is an in- this is an individual sport where you walk in and fight another human being, but. You would be nowhere without your team, and um, you know I'm, I'm always there with them guys in the changing rooms, in the gym, in the bad days. And guess what? They're there for me in my bad days and my good days. They're the same guys. It's as if like we're like a close family, you know. Yeah, and I mean that's exactly the point I was was looking for. When you're the locker room leader and you're on a high, of course everyone's on a high, but that shows a lot more about the group of guys and girls around you when you may be struggling and they're the ones that are saying chin up Brett. I think I think that's something very yeah. special. Oh definitely, you know, and, I, and the mad thing is is like I've got I've got no ego for this game. Like, you know, I, I think everybody could look around and think, Oh yeah, but he's he's in he's in the UFC and uh, I'm in the UFC and these guys are you know, they're, they're all amateur level. I don't rate myself any better than any of the guys in the gym with me. I really don't. You know, they, they, these are guys who's who stand on the front line with me every day, who take my shots, and I take their shots, and, you know, we spar, we spar hard, you know, we always have done as a team. And um, it, it's a, it's an honour, and I never put myself... And you can ask these guys yourself, you know what I mean? I've had nobody else to kind of look look up to as the the major the major guy in Welsh MMA. It wasn't anything, so I, 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 I turned my attention to people like Brad Pickett. You know, that's what I did, because in Wales we didn't have that. 
Uh, but it's nice now that these these Welsh level guys are going to go. They look they look up to me like I'm, and it's, and it's nice. It's really yeah. nice because especially in my team, especially in my team, they they thank me for absolutely everything, and I tell them the same thing. I go, you don't need to thank me for anything. I tell them all the time. I say, don't thank me because everything I do for you, you do it for me, and and that's the relationship we have in the team, you know. I'm not just talking now about Chris Reed's Academy, but Tillery Combat, Matt Academy, all the big Welsh gyms have put serious time, money and resources into grassroots development. And we're starting to see it come good. And I think especially in Wales with having these these fighters like especially Aidan and Scott and Jack Shaw, they've all competed on the IMFC circuit as well internationally. It seems like, I don't know, what the, the Welsh scene seems to be more switched on to athlete development from the grassroots yeah I, I feel like it's, it's getting stronger it definitely is getting stronger and um you're starting to see a lot more uh faces come out of the woodwork now you know be a lo- lot of high level guys you know you look at the professionals towards the the closer end of the ufc scale the people like your jack shows your, your josh reeds you know them guys you, you, you know and then you go a little bit lower again then the guys who are Newly turned professional, I've had one, two, three, four fights. Maybe you got Mason Jones, you got Aiden a- a- James. Like Aiden's one of them guys. I always say this about Aiden. A- Aiden has one of the best MMA brains I've I've, I've ever mm-hmm. witnessed. He really has. He can read the game so well. You know what I mean? And and you know, and when he gets to a fight, he can he can put that together. When I when you watch him in the gym, it's as if he's as if he's flowing on water. The guy's just like a little 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 guru, MMA guru. You know and. Uh, He's fantastic, and then you got the <coughs> the amateur guys like like last night for example. Now Scotty fought um, Tobias. Uh, I, I don't know. Tobias Herrera. Herrera. Yeah. yeah. Oh, what what a fighter! What a fighter! I think his record was twenty two five last night, something like that. His record was, and um, Scott. This was the this was the the number one ranked lightweight in the world. I think at that time, as they said anyway. He was the number yeah, one ranked correct. lightweight. Yeah, that's correct. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. And and he and he's um he he, uh, he said after this fight he said win lose a draw he'd be going professional and him a professional would be an absolute monster but you know like I said Scotty is the guy that um, people all about the way I train train very difficult there's there's a couple of guys standing next to me and that Scotty's one of them guys you know he's always in the gym he's always training you know what I mean this guy has put a lot of sacrifice and he and he pulled the win out of the bag last night we we're on about the best guy in the world at his weight at an amateur level. And he beat him, you know. I mean, he beat, he beat him convincingly, you know. It was a close fight, but like when I looked up, when I watched the fight back, I can see right, yeah, no, definitely, you know, he definitely won two rounds. I think uh, Tobias the first, he had the second and third, uh, and that's because of his commitment. And and, he, and the thing is with Scotty, he's doing things that are not his strength, and he's still yeah. beating people. You, you know what I mean? And he's such a mature fighter at a very young age. He's only like twenty-one years old. Scotty is. You know, and then and then and then the opposite end of the scale. I had I had Ben, I had ben Miles on the card, and Ben Miles unfortunately didn't get the result he wanted. You know what I mean? He uh, he, he lost he lost his fight, and and like I said to him, I spoke to him after the fight. I spent more time with Ben after the fight than I did with Scotty. You know yeah. what I mean? He's uh, Ben's one of them guys. He tra- he trains just as hard as Jim. He just didn't get results, and I, I, and at at an amateur level, it's important for these guys to fe- to feel these losses. Like I said, I had those youngsters in different sports. But some of these guys coming up through the MMA ranks now, they haven't done all the sports. They've just jumped into MMA. They don't know the feeling of losing, you know what I mean? And and it, and, it, and it's important to learn, you know. I'm not saying, oh, just go out and your next one and get knocked. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is it's not it's not the end of the world if you lose, yeah. especially in mixed martial arts. It's it's acceptable, you know what I mean? And um, and like I said, on amateur level, if, you go, if you're ever going to lose, it's a little hint to everybody, a little tip of the day. If you're ever going to lose, do an amateur, don't do a pro. You know, that's where it all counts. It's important for development. You need that. And as you say, best opportunity to lose, lose there. If you're going to lose, lose there. Yeah. You don't have to do it uh, at pro, yeah. you know. you. Won't. I'm going to say as well, like, like for example, you know, how are you meant to stay undefeated at amateur level when you're fighting three or four times in a week? Yeah. It's, it's, it's almost impossible. How are you going to do that? And like, and it's this goes to the amateur scene. Get out there and fight the best guys you can. I see people like when, when I was when I was going like amateur for me wasn't the same. Amateur was semi pro, semi pro forms gloves. Yeah. It was uh, no 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 head just on the floor. That was amateur for me, you know. And I fought the best guys I could put my hands on. And I feel like in the day now because everybody's 
kind of wanting to keep their undefeated record. Everybody's kind of avoiding different people in the game, you know. And it's important to get out there and fight the best guys, the people you wanna you wanna keep bugging and bugging and bugging the fight. You know, like Scotty. Now he fought he fought Tobias last night. Yeah. Three to four weeks ago, he fought Bogdan. You know, he's the number one. He's the number one um, pick for the Austrian team. You know what I mean? And, and I feel like it's important for these guys to go out there and fight the best guys. Beat the best guys. There's no point going out there and fighting these tomato cans and beating them up in the first round by knockout. You're not gaining nothing other than a bit of bit of an ego push, you know what I mean? You, are, you just knock some guy out, brilliant. But nobody's going <laughs> to remember that kid, you know what I mean? Yeah. In all due respect to him, you know? And, um, you know, I, I feel like as a team, we're, we're doing it right, you know? Always the wise words, Mr. Mr. Johns. I completely agree with you there. <laughs> Let's bring it full circle. There's a career-defining fight on the books for you. And if we look at the bantamweight rankings, you're number 14, Aljamain Sterling's number 8. The opportunity is there that we could see a potential massive jump. And if you get the victory in Atlantic City, you will then be classed as a top 10 bantamweight on the planet. Now, what does that mean to you from when you first started? And look, we're talking about it right now. We're talking about a lot of the guys at your gym who are at the beginning of their careers. For the beginning of your career, to be able to one day say, I'm the, the champion of Titan FC, I'm the champion of Cage Wars, I'm the top 10 best fighter on the planet. How amazing and, and how grounding is that for you? Yeah, of, of course, you know, it, that, that's the the dream, you know, I, I tell people now when they, they go, oh, so people that, that probably haven't heard my story and I go, oh, they go, so so what's your record? I say, oh, I'm 15 and 0 and they go, wow. <laughs> I said, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm ranked, I'm ranked, I'm ranked 14th in the world. They're like, wow. But it does, for me, it doesn't feel right to say 14th in the world. It's like, yeah, you're the top 15 in the world, but people never say that. You go, oh, top 10, top 5, you know, that's what it matters. Beating Aljo now, beating Aljo in, um, in in Atlantic City on the 21st, that person in the top 10. Uh, and, and like I said, I'd be, if I wasn't if I wasn't thinking about that belt, I wouldn't be here talking now, you know what I mean? It's one of them things, I'm, I'm trying to go for the belt, but, you know, April 21st, we beat Aljo, we get the result that we want. I have a name that I'm going to call out after the fight, you know? Okay. It's one of them that, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be a huge, huge name. I'm gonna do it though. You know, I'm not. I'm not afraid to fight the best guys in the world. Because in my 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 mind, the way I look at it is when I look at the top fifteen, they all absolutely scare the shit out of me. They really do. <laughs> so yeah. what's so what's the what's the difference between fighting number one and number fifteen? I don't care. You know, I really don't care. And uh, I have a name. And uh, and obviously, I'm not gonna jinx myself because I'll be I'll be so disrespectful towards Aljo. I want to fight Aljo first. I get the win over him. And then people post-fight will hear the name I want to fight next. Huge possibility there to thrust you uh, into the limelight 100%. I believe this will be... If, if, if you've not already had your coming out party, Brett, which I think you have had with the calf slices submission, this truly will be in a... If you're going to be calling out a big name afterwards as well, I'm sure Brett Johns' name will be on everybody's lips uh, the next morning after your fight. Oh, definitely. You know, we, we, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not your... I'm here to create a legacy. I'm not, you know, people think about the living and stuff. I'm not here to, to create a living. You know what I mean? I'm still driving my 750 pound super impressor. I'm not, I, I'm not here to make it. I'm not here to make a living. I'm here to make a legacy. And I, I'm here. And people ask me, what's your end goal? And I say, my end goal, my end goal would be to have a, sta- to have a little statue in my hometown in Ponce de la Life. That would be my end goal. I'd like that. So, once, so people could walk past and say, you know what? That, that guy did good, you know? That's that's all I want from this game, and um, that's that's not going to happen if I'm fighting if I'm fighting tomato cans every time I fight, you know. So let's put put me up against these legends. Let, let let's let's see these fights, you know. And uh, you know, Alzheimer's Stearns is a well recognised name, you know. And then you look higher up that ranking list, and the names get better and better. And, yeah. and I'm not afraid to fight any single one of them. I'm really not. Well, April. 21st UFC Fight Night 128 you go up against Al Jermaine Sterling before I let you go Brett Johns I need to ask you right now is calf slicer fever going down in Wales because Liz, I'm seeing it everywhere over the internet especially afterwards pictures Instagram pictures everyone's trying to do a calf slicer which is funny because it's a very difficult submission to pull off but like how cool was that for you like that you kind of really you brought the calf slicer to Wales 
I, I think so, you know. Um, it was It's mad, you know. Uh, people are talking about the car slicer, and I remember watching Charles Oliveira doing his one, and uh, people were like, oh, my God, that's amazing. And then people talking about the jiu-jitsu game and going, oh, see, the Brazilians are going down. And, and like, yeah, the Brazilians are going to be one of the best in the world at doing it, but I remember putting a tweet, tweet after the fight saying, uh, only Brazilians can do car slices and Brett Johns hold my beer, you know what I mean? And, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's one of them things, but honest, honest to God, I, every time I, I hear the words calf and slicer together, I start twitching. I've heard that so many times over the last, uh, over the last three months. It's, yeah. uh, people come up to me on a night down in Swansea and, and they don't even know me as Brett no more. I'm known <laughs> as the calf slicer, you know what I mean? So, uh, you know, I think it's one of them. Yeah, I think it's one of them subs that it was a, it, it was a one off. But um, but uh, but then again, look, I don't really want to pull another one off because I think my name will change <laughs> then on my birth certificate to Carl Spicer. <laughs> it's your superhero now um, name now. Anyway, you can't get rid of it. <laughs> <laughs> the Carl Spicer, Captain Carl Spicer, Captain Carl Spicer. Brilliant. Look, when the, when it's all said and done in MMA, we know what you're going to be doing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, Brett, no, thank you so much for taking the time out uh, in your busy camp, as you've been stating there. So wishing you the best of luck. April 21st, massive opportunity for you. And I know you're going to take it with open arms and do what you do best. Brett Johns, a big thank you for joining me on Reflections. No, no thank, thank you, brother. You know, they, they just, you, you've been one of the guys who have been there from, from day one. So thank you, mate. Well, joining me now from the bustle of Brooklyn in New York, it's the one and only Niall McGrath from Talking Brawls and Severe MMA. Nyla, how are you doing, my friend? I'm great, Andre. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. It's uh, just finished up the press conference there a few moments ago. Half an hour tube ride back to my hotel. And I'm actually currently, I'm not going to lie to you, I have a little um, cup of beer in my hand. Brooklyn... <laughs> Lager, you have Brooklyn's to sample the finest. Yeah, man, you got to sample the craft when you're here. You know what I mean? So <laughs> I, I think I've, there wasn't a lot really going on today. So I said, uh, you know, the press conference stream on YouTube. So I said, I'll come back, have a beer, and we'll we'll we'll, we'll do some work later into the early hours of the morning here in uh, in Brooklyn. <laughs> Absolutely, as it always is, the late ones on the UFC fight week. Before we talk about the press and all, I watched your Instagram live just before the press conference went yeah. live. There was a massive queue outside of. Uh, the arena where they they held the press conference. What was going on there? Well, it seemed like there was a lot of people, a lot of uh, Khabib fans as well. Yeah, there's a huge Russian um, and Chechen community and and Dagestanis uh, here in Brooklyn, and literally the queue was all back down around the corner and like predominantly Khabib fans, as you heard obviously with the press conference. It literally, they could have let probably in another five, six hundred fans. Which it's you know, it's great to see. I think there's going to be a big, strong Brooklyn crowd in there for Habib on Saturday night with the community here. There's an area here in Brooklyn which is just predominantly, you know, Russian shops all literally all over the streets. Um, so that was the reason here um, why there were so many people and a lot of disappointed people as well. There's a lot of people not happy they, they couldn't get in. I think the UFC, if they were obviously to do it again, might have had in a little bit of a, a bigger venue. But I think it was nice. It was intimate. We could, you, you could hear obviously yeah. what was being, being said. Well, it, it, the atmosphere sort of engulfed the guys on the stage and obviously Habib. So listen, it's, uh, it's set up for a great fight. Obviously the fight, you know, everyone sort of still obviously wants to see Tony and uh, Habib, but you know, from what Dana said earlier on, we're never going to see that fight happen, which is a real shame for me. And it's, uh, it's very disappointing, but listen, we've Max Holloway stepping in and, you know, the featherweight champion of the UFC, it's, uh, it's still going to be a really good fight, so I'm, I'm very much looking forward to it. Well, we'll talk about Max Holloway in a second, jumping in on six days' notice. But the Tony Ferguson-Khabib saga, because this is the fourth time that this has happened, oh. four times in four years. Can we blame Dana White for saying he doesn't want to risk it again? No, I don't think so. You know, it's it, this fight just seems to be cursed from the get-go. As you said, you know, this is the fourth time but the fight's fallen out, and I think it's a big, big risk for the UFC if they were to put that together again on, you know, a card like this where there's, there's a lot of very good matchups on the undercard. So, you know, it's, it's about money for the UFC, and I think by bringing Max in, um, you know, Max is probably a better-known guy, you know, in, in the UK and Ireland because of the fact he's fought Conor McGregor before. There's a narrative here the UFC can sell with the winner of this fight, so... You know, Tony Khabib going forward, you know, it's not going to happen. It really isn't. Um, and it's going to be a weird situation because Dana said today that Tony's still going to be the interim champion. 
And I don't really understand that if Habib wins on Saturday, how they're not going to do the interim champion versus the champion unless Tony strips. So, listen, Dana has a lot of questions um, that we need answered, uh, you know, from the public, from the media, from everyone. It's a sticky situation. It's been a mess from the get-go, I think, this whole um, UFC lightweight title scenario. So it's going to be very interesting to see what they do. But, you know, as it stands, what Dana said, it's not going to happen. So, you know, Dana is the man. But listen, how many times has Dana changed his mind in the past? And I think he, he, he was disgraceful in some of the words he said about Tony Ferguson in the build-up to this fight. Really got underneath my skin. He treated him very poorly all the way through. And um, listen, I'd love to see it happen again. Just give it you know, one more shot, but very, <laughs> unlike, very unlikely, I think. But it's going to be interesting to see. Yeah, as you alluded to there, um, Tony Ferguson is... As Dana says in the press conference, he's the number one contender, but the interim title has kind of magicked itself away. It no longer exists with what Dana White was saying, but he is a number one contender. So effectively, if Khabib Nurmagomedov gets the job done at UFC 223, <laughs> hey, you can't deny us that yeah. fight. Khabib wants it. The fans want it. And uh, look, five-time lucky, I guess. <laughs> Listen, but like, Dana's changed his mind so many times. You know, he says one thing contradicts himself a day or two later, so... Listen, I wouldn't be surprised if it was booked maybe once more. But I think, you know, the talk of the rumours is, you know, what Dana said there about McGregor coming back as well. He's going to fight this year. So you'd expect him to fight the winner of this fight uh, on Saturday night. It sells. There's a narrative behind it. Obviously, the, the dislike between, you know, we saw the incident with Artem Lobov and, and, and Habib yesterday. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, there's, uh, you know, we've seen on Twitter Ali, Ali, Ali Abdelaziz and John Kavanaugh go back and forth for many a year. He, he obviously represents a lot of the guys here in New York and a lot of guys around the planet at the moment. So, and the Holloway situation as well, like Max is, is obviously unbeaten since he, he fought Connor. So, man, it's, it's listen, we, we've something very good to look forward to after this weekend regardless, I think. An interesting thing I picked up from the press conference, I've not seen many people talking about this, but Khabib says the next fight he wants is November at MSG, obviously New York. Could that effectively be if he wins the... I don't want to call it title unification because it's not. Connor's title disappears yeah. after this. But could this be that big undisputed lightweight championship fight between Khabib and Conor McGregor if things pan out this weekend? Mm. Well, I think, you know, by even stripping Connor, it's sort of a message from the UFC that, you know, I think, and I've said this for a long time on our show, that, you know, by stripping Connor of the title, giving it to, to the winner of the fight this weekend, that is... It almost makes the fight sell better. You know, you can sell the whole narrative of, you know, McGregor's never lost a fight, but his title's gone and he's coming back to get it all, that thing. <laughs> yeah. And I think, I think you know, in relation to MSG, we saw what happened there the last time. You know, it, it was incredible, the atmosphere there in MSG the last time. There was, like, I, I, I don't lie when I say this, literally every pub had a UFC poster in New York, downtown Manhattan. There was a massive excitement for that fight. And listen, look at the Russian community, as I said, here um, in, in in New York. And obviously, you have a massive Irish community. We're everywhere. Um, so listen, that fight would be, for me, the biggest UFC fight of all time, if they could get it over the line, and if they made it happen in New York. I think it has to be New York. I, I, I think, hmm. you know, from obviously selling the fight point of view, from ticket sales, um, it has to be the place they're going to. And listen, I wouldn't rule it out because Dana said Connor's going to fight this year. I know he said it before in the past, but I do. I think Connor's going to fight myself. Absolutely, you know, he, he has to fight this year. He has to, and you yeah. know, for for his own legacy. And you know, I'll probably get a bit of grief for saying this, but you know, people are going to look back in ten years' time, and they're not going to care about you know all the money he's made off the fights. You have to go back and look at your legacy at some point as a fighter. And I think if Connor doesn't come back and fight, people are going to point out in ten years' time he never defended either of his titles that he won. So this. Obviously, it wouldn't be a defense, but it would, you know, go a long way yeah. to make up for that. That he came back and obviously wants to compete for the guy who took his uh, his world lightweight title. So there's great narratives around it. Great city here in New York, and it's definitely one I could could see the UFC trying to put together for November. When the main event on the opposite side of the coin, you have kind of a parallel narrative there with Max Holloway, the 145 yeah. champion. Moving up, six days' notice, he's got roughly 20 pounds to cut, according to nutritionist George Lockhart. Is this one step too many for, for Max Holloway on six days' notice? He was in Hawaii, man. Yeah. Yeah. No, listen, I think there's a real danger this fight mightn't even happen. I don't want to pour, you know, beer on the grapes or whatever. I don't know what the saying is. But, <laughs> you know, the New York Commission here as well, and I don't think many people have mentioned it. I think, you know, if Max comes in, you know, maybe 160 pounds, 161 
you know, the fight will be off. The UFC, the New York Commission are very stringent um, on weight cutting. So that is a problem for me. The rumor was that he was walking around 178. I think George Lockhart said it'd be the most weight he's ever going to cut off a fighter yeah, if correct. they get him over the line. And, you know, you figure in the knee injury you had recently as well, obviously, to pull out of that fight with Frankie Yeager. Man, I, you know, I'm not sure. I'm going to be very, very skeptical till we get to weigh-ins whether this fight's going to happen. Unless, to be honest with you as well, Habib didn't look particularly good to me today. You know, mm. I was right in the front row. He looked sort of yellow. Um, you know, he was he was blinking slowly, which obviously yeah. is, is an indication that he's obviously, you know, dehydrated his body quite a lot. But, yeah, Max, man, Max looked big. Max looked bloated. He looked full today. Like, there wasn't... <laughs> you know, definite signs that he was cutting any sort of weight, yeah. to be honest with you. But um, I think it's going to be a hard one to get over the line. I would not be surprised if if, if this fight doesn't happen. I don't like saying it. But... Yeah. The, well, the interesting thing as well, I mentioned this earlier in the show, is that George Lockhart was the nutritionist for Khabib as well. Yeah. And due yeah. to uh, a conflict of interest, that's what he said, uh, they parted ways for the final portion of this Weight cut. Now, worst case scenario, if if this fight doesn't happen, and I, I hate to even imagine that after everything we've gone through yeah, in the past week as well, um, what kind of problems does that cause the UFC now moving forward? Oh, you know, I, I don't even think you can even try and predict what sort of problems or headaches it gives the promotion. Um, you know, they probably have to go and book, look at booking, um, you know, Connor and Habib. It might be a bad thing, you know, in yeah. the long run, but um, I think, you know, what they need on Saturday, it would be an awful shame if something did happen to the fight. But um, for me, they would, yeah. You know, they'd have to go along the lines of looking at somewhere, getting McGregor back in there. You know, who else is there? You know, you, you tell me. You know, it, you, you'd like to think Max would probably go back down to featherweight. He's talked about being two-weight world champion. But who is there there? They're not going to make Tony Habib again, so he said. Who's next in line? I think there's a lot of sorting out. You know who's going to be next in line after maybe Eddie Alvarez yeah. possibly who's who's been fighting really well and um, maybe that's a fight they might look at but uh, let's not tempt fate anymore Andre so <laughs> I, I, I want to see this, I want to see this fight happen man I really do oh me too and I think it's going to happen so touch wood I think that's the saying well touch we'll touch wood on that one let's move to the co-main <laughs> event. Rosenama Yunus, Joanna Ying Jacek, a very different build-up this time around. It seems the mind games that Joanna instilled in their first contest no longer at play here. It seems like a much more relaxed, a much calmer Joanna Ying Jacek. Has she learned from the ghosts of the past? Was she too cocky last time around? I think she was, but I, you know, I think another point here you have to look at with Joanna is I don't think she knows what to say because you know she lost, and I think you know we saw a similar sort of narrative with Conor McGregor when he came into Nate Diaz for the second time after losing. Conor was very quiet, put his head down, had the odd word here and there. And I think that's something that she has found it hard to deal with. And I think she's gone about it the right way this time. You know, we saw Rose there today sitting there. And look, at one point, I actually thought Rose was crying today. I was sitting right you know, in front of her. You know, very okay. bleak face, yeah. but it actually looked like there was tears coming out of her mouth. There's a lot of emotion with Rose. Joanna looked a lot more chilled out. And, you know, I'm not a big fan of this pent-up emotion in fighters sometimes. And I think the fact Rose has gone about it in the same way, and I think Joanna's a lot more relaxed. I think Joanna thought last time she was going to go out and beat Rose very easily. And I think that was the problem. And, you know, we say it the whole yeah, time in, MMA, it, yeah. in the MMA media, uh, you know, when we look at fighters, I think a fighter to lose after a good run, is possibly one of the best things that can happen to a fighter. You know, they go back to the, the drawing board. They know what that feeling's like. They never want it to happen again. And you always say, we talk about it, you know, the difference between boxing and MMA and the records. It doesn't matter if you've lost five or six fights in mixed martial arts. You know, you, you evolve throughout your career. And I think this is a, a fight that Joanna is going to come in and she's going to not be as aggressive on the front foot as she was when she got caught against Rose. And I think we're going to see a very, very different Joanna young Jay. And I do. I like the way she's gone about it. I think there's been a respectful manner and I think um, we're in for a cracker. I'm really looking forward to this fight. I think it's going to be a special fight. Absolutely. I mean, the first fight was fantastic. So yeah. I'm expecting the same here at UFC 223. Very quickly on the co-main event, what happens? Who, you know, The winner, whoever it is, whether it's Rose or whether it's uh, Joanna Ying-Jacek, what's next for them? Because that division as well, the, the strawweight division is quite interesting, especially how everyone else is stacking up. You've got Jessica Andrade, number two, Claudia Gadela, number three, and Karolina Kovalkiewicz, who's also on this card, uh, number four as well. Who do you think could be next? 
But I think it depends, obviously, who wins, first of all. But I think, you know, for Joanna, if she is to get her title back, I think we're going to be looking at that Valentina Shevchenko fight, maybe even go up a weight class, and uh, maybe for a super fight, something like that. For Rose, I think, you know, it's very different. Obviously, she's, she's, ha- she's going to defend her title for the first time against the lady she won it off uh, in Joanna on Saturday. So there's way more options, I think, for Rose. Um, in terms of fighting um, different opponents if she wins. So, you know, I, I'm not sure for Rose. I think there has to be someone who's clearly going to define themselves in the division as a top contender. I think we're yet to see that. I think there'll be more fights, obviously, that are going to come and they're going to uh, obviously clear up that situation and make, um, you know, it, it's going to become a lot clearer to us. But I do think, you know, if Yana does win this fight, there's not an awful lot of options or ladies she hasn't fought in the past. So I could definitely see that um that that rematch, they've obviously fought each other a number of times, and <laughs> in, in, in uh, you know amateur. Um, yeah. So so I'd love to see that fight happen, and you know I I just have a sneaky feeling Joanna's going to go in and do that. I've been very impressed with her her mental um her, her mental attitudes um, ahead of this fight. It's going to be interesting. But I'm not, yeah. What would you like to see for Rose? That's interesting as well because you know I can't really define who's there really mm-hmm. that warrants. A title shot. Well, this is this is how I'd book it personally. I think you're right. I'm going to agree with you. If Joanna wins, I'd like to see her move up that weight cut as well. Just you just need yeah. to watch embedded. She, she looked you... bad today. She looked bad yeah. today. You know, she's she's very very um, tired looking. She looks definitely sucked of uh, of water in her body. And you know, I think it's time for her to move up as well. I do agree with you. Yeah. If she wins. To be honest, if she wins or loses, I think she should move up. Yeah, I agree. But if if Rose wins, I think it makes sense to to put her with Carolina. Uh, if she wins, of course, at UFC yeah. two two three, she's fighting against Phyllis Herrick, which is a very winnable fight for her as well. So um, <laughs> let's yeah. see, will the will the stars align? You know, that's a very rare thing in MMA as well. Now, look, we'll just round this up now on two two three. What what other fights stick out for you? We've got Alex Caceres, Artem Lobov. On the fight pass prelims, Ayakwinta Paul Felder on, on the main yeah. card. There's some really good fights that are standing out in Brooklyn. Yeah, you know, top to bottom, even I think the ladies fight, you know, on the prelims, um, on, on the UFC fight pass card, even Beck Rawlings, Ashley Evan Smith's a really good f- yeah. matchup on paper. Um, then you obviously kick on to Artem and Alex, and that's a, obviously a really, really good fight as well. And obviously Artem getting himself in, in, in a few words there, yes. But I spoke to Artem on the plane. Um, I was actually on the flight with him on the way over and, you know, really relaxed and really good form. So that's definitely a fight to watch. But the one that sticks out for me, I, I don't think you're going to be surprised when I when I say this. It kicks off the UFC 223 pay-per-view. It is the matchup of Long Island's Ally Kinte against Philly's own Paul Feller. I think it's a really good fight in paper. You know, Paul's on a really good run since moving to Rufus Sport. Three fights unbeaten. We've seen those elbows. Aya Kinte, obviously, it was supposed to happen at 218. Didn't happen. He you know, contract disputes to the UFC. He's really good on his feet, really good jits game under uh, Matt Serra. Um, so I just think that is, it's fireworks written all over for me. Yeah. And I think you know, have, yeah. you have to be impressed with Paul's performance against Oliveira as well, getting out of those positions in which he got out of. Uh, there was a number of choke attempts thrown there. You know, Ally Quint is great in the ground, but I think this is going to end on the feet. And I think, we're in, I think we're in for an absolute stand-up war in this one. This is fight of the night honours for me. I think it is the fight to watch on the fight card at 223. And let's not forget, it's been a year pretty much since we've seen Alaya Quint inside the Octagon as well. Yeah, and I, I, I think the winner of this fight, you know, the way the division's going at the moment, I think one of these guys here gets a play for maybe a top five slot in the division if they win this fight. And, you know, whatever's going on with Connor, we've, we've seen Tony obviously fall out again. Whoever wins on Saturday, they open themselves up for a big, big 2018. So it's definitely the, the fight to watch for me on the card. Stacked card. Stacked. Oh, it is. Absolutely stacked. Now, you're over there in Brooklyn. You're the man on the ground. Where can everybody check out your work this week? You've already been doing some great stuff. Yeah, I've done a few little bits. I haven't got into full flow yet. It's It's been hard to um, you know, get caught up in the hotel. But you catch my, my work, obviously, on a, on a podcast, but I do with P.T. Carroll from MMA Fighting on uh, uh, Talking Brawls. Uh, you get us on iTunes and obviously on uh, Severe MMA. I'll have loads of stuff coming. Um, hopefully tonight, so morning time for you guys. And obviously, I'll be at the media day tomorrow, weigh-ins, all that throughout the week, and post-fight coverage, all on SphereMMA.com. Andreas, my friend, it's always a pleasure, and I do appreciate you uh, having me on, on on your show. Always a pleasure, my friend. It is always a pleasure. Look, my word doesn't mean a lot, but I have a, so much respect for this man. One of my favorite guys in the entire entirety of the, the big MMA I, media. I, lo- I love you too, brother. I love you too. <laughs> Fetty cheese for life, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah big thank you. 
Big thank you to Nile for joining me on the show. Join me after the break. We're going to round up Reflections. See you in a sec. There we have it. That is it for this week's episode of Reflections. A huge thank you to both Nile McGrath and Brett Johns for stopping by on this edition of the show. UFC 223. It is this Saturday night in Brooklyn, New York. Rose Namajunas defends her UFC strawweight championship against Joanna Jacek in a rematch and the main event, which we've spoke about a lot on this edition of the show. Max Holloway, the featherweight champion of the world, goes up against Khabib Nurmagomedov to decide who is the new 155, the new lightweight champion. Conor McGregor will officially be dethroned And on Saturday night at UFC 223, we will finally have an active, yes, an active lightweight champion. British mixed martial arts fans, you can catch the event on BT Sport 2. The the UFC Fight Pass prelims, of course, are first at midnight, then 1am over to BT Sport 2 with the preliminary card. And then 3am, that's it, that's the big show, UFC 223, live on BT Sport 2. And of course, Brett Johns, who's going to be fighting on April 21st from Atlantic City, New Jersey. That's a Fox Sport 1 card in the United States. So that's also going to be shown over here on BT Sport 2. More information on the times for that closer to April 21st. Brett Johns, a fantastic interview today. It was some amazing insight from him to to say he just wants to get this camp over and done with. Mentally, it's been very difficult for him, so now he wants to get that fight with Aljamain Sterling over and done with. It's a huge occasion for him, and as he said, he's already got a name in his head of who he wants to call out if he beats Aljamain Sterling. So we will be listening, we'll be watching very, very closely to see who Brett Johns has in mind in the top 10 of the UFC bantamweight rankings. I know that this man is arguably the most promising talents to come out of the UK in so many years. And he went such an unconventional route as well. Went over to Titan FC to hone his craft. And then he finally got the call to the UFC. So much deserved. And I believe the man who will eventually bring the UFC to Wales. So a huge thank you to Brett Johns for stopping by the show. And Niall McGrath from New York as well. So that is it for another edition of Reflections. I've been your host, Andreas Giorgio. As I said, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or SoundCloud. Leave a review, leave a rating, and don't forget to join in the discussion on Twitter as well. So that is it once again for Reflections. Keep it real, stay safe, and we'll be back at the end of the month with a brand new episode.